Listening to Parallel Fiction, a podcast that celebrates storytellers across all mediums. Each episode, we weave together two stories within a common theme and analyze their meaning on everyday life. This week's theme is service with a smile in honor of National Waitstaff Wait Day, Day. <laughs> which is what what day is it? May twenty first. Okay, very cool. So, the beginning of the Gemini. <laughs> mark your calendars. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I think servers have had a very tough year and yeah, they absolutely. are often underappreciated. Mm. Uh, Jeff and I have both worked in the service industry. Um, yeah, so I think we're good. <laughs> and we honestly, met in the service industry. <laughs> we did. And honestly, it's one of the harder jobs out there. Yeah, I, I loved it. Like, I just love like being on my toes and wheeling and dealing and remembering tons yeah. of things at once, which is insane because in my real life, I don't remember anything ever. <laughs> and I think like you would have stayed there if like yeah if there was like benefits yeah. if it was like a real job if it was yeah like if it was I guess the European or whatever model right. of waitstaff where like you have a salary yeah and you know what I feel like there's actually going to be a change coming well because it's <laughs> maybe. all supply and demand and right now the service industry is really hurting because people are realizing that. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I can make a livable wage by yeah. not selling my soul for like nothing at these service industries. <laughs> the discretion of. <laughs> and not have strangers. benefits and yeah. like basically work my ass off for nothing. And Getting riled up. Gets, coming in hot. But yeah, I mean, no, it's like a big thing right now here yeah, in the United States how all these like fast food changes are like, we have nobody wants to work. <laughs> and it's like, in reality, you're not paying people livable wages. You're not giving them benefits. So yeah. they're going to go find jobs that have those things. Absolutely. And that's why today we're celebrating these people. And Lord knows we've been giving a lot of take out our business. <laughs> like, because <laughs> we true. both worked in the industry, I'm always down to like tip extra for these mm. people. Yeah, so if you go out to eat this week, maybe leave a little extra something, maybe write a nice note on your receipt, you know, thank you so much for serving and working mm. hard. I feel like, you know, everybody appreciates the nurses and the firefighters and the police and teachers get appreciated, but I think waste stuff deserves to be waited on too, you know. Yeah, Dining out is a very special experience and you can't Something we missed for a long oh, time yeah. this year, you know. I mean, you can't take for granted somebody serving you food that you don't have to make and then <laughs> cleaning up plates that you're not going to have to wash. Like, yeah. it's an experience. Gotta <laughs> A lot of strangers it. involved, too. Like, you always got to be nice to people who, uh, <laughs> who serve your, your food. food. Yeah. yeah. So with that being said, we're both doing uh, media, books, movies, yeah. whatever, that are in the uh, restaurant industry. Sort of, yeah. Sort of, yeah. Adjacent. <laughs> Adjacent to service. Mm. So what are you doing this week? I am covering a Sarah Dessen book called What Happened to Goodbye. Nice. And I was originally going to cover the movie Waiting, but mm. this is one of the rare instances where I watched through it and I was like, man, this doesn't age well. <laughs> there was one other movie. I can't remember what it was that you initially were going to do. Yeah. You rewatched it and you were like, I can't mm -hmm. cover this. And I don't remember what it was. I mean, if if people still like it, you know, that's their, their thing. Like, I'm not going to hate on anybody, whatever. But there's just a lot of uh, like slurs and. Right. Like things that I don't yeah. think they'd put in a movie nowadays. No. But uh, in substitution of that, I'm going to be covering Clerks, the Kevin Smith masterpiece we're both from new jersey and <laughs> <laughs> um i used to serve kevin smith so <laughs> yeah so it it's like a full circle exactly so i know that's not like restaurant the second one is more of like restaurant because it's fast food but it, it works out <laughs> no it, it, i mean at the end of the day like i was in the food industry for a, like a long time but it was like frozen yogurt <laughs> yeah so like not technically serving because it was self-serve but yeah. you know i had to shake those gummy bears quite often <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> triggered deal with a lot of customers but uh yeah so <laughs> i think it's gonna be a really fun episode i have tons and tons and tons of stories for analysis later if yeah we definitely if have I'm to feeling it oh well, we have <laughs> like, to talk about it for sure as i'm sure everybody in the wait staff or you know service industry just has like a million stories about what they see on a daily basis. Like, yeah. Like that, like nurses and like tattoo artists probably have 
Like with their yeah. powers combined, probably have seen it all. Well, to be fair, preschool teachers see a lot. Too. Oh, that's true. true yeah. <laughs> all my stories from teaching are from preschool. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we get into the rocks, paper, scissor, and then we'll jump right into the summary portion. Yeah, let's go. All right, ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. I don't know why I always do scissors. Like I can't stop. I think I read once. So I'm I'm going to let you in on a little bit of inside cheating. Okay. So I mm-hmm. read an article like forever ago, and I don't know how true it is, but like a great percentage of people throw scissors first. Hmm. So. <laughs> hmm. so you either want to tie scissors first and then like jumble them up or gotcha. you just want to go with, if you're not sure what they're going to throw, always throw scissors. <laughs> so just throw scissors all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so feel safe. All right. So I'm actually going to go first this week cause I'm excited. <laughs> so I'm going to take go. a quick break and I'll tell you all about clerks. All right, and we're back. So let's talk about Clerks. This is iconic. I'm, I'm excited. excited. Yeah, I think uh, within the first month of us dating, I like found out that you didn't see this movie, and I was like, "We gotta watch Clerks." And then I think you fell asleep. Probably. I mean, that was not the only movie you were shocked I hadn't seen. Yeah, you had a very sheltered. Yeah, child. I don't know what. I don't know what happened. Well, that's why we're doing this now. Get all that's these true. movies in. So. Um, Clerks was written and directed by Kevin Smith in uh, like 1993, I think. It came out in 1994, mm-hmm. and it stars Brian O'Halloran, Jeff Anderson, Marilyn Gigliotti, Lisa Spoonauer, Jay Muse, and Kevin Smith as Jane Silent Bob. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to have your mind blown, this was filmed on a budget of about $28,000. That's wild. Which is less than half of what the short Batman movie we covered last week was. Dude, if you put it into that kind of perspective, yeah, that's no. crazy. I mean, Plus also this is nineties money, like yeah, early 90s, so that was probably like but, way more. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Kevin applied for like a ton of credit cards and maxed them all out in order to like pay for the equipment to like rent to make this movie. Dude, he like was trusted himself. I know, and the there was a um a problem with the footage. It almost like didn't match up with the sound. Oh so my god! <laughs> they obviously fixed it, but yeah, and uh. Last fun fact was that it was shot in black and white to be cheaper because color film mm. is shot on old school film. But uh, yeah, so. I think that made it like stylistic, though. I but, think it was a cool choice. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin uh, has gone on like interviews and said like after he released the movie, people praised him for the black and white because it made it seem like it was the security camera footage. Oh. And he was like, yes, that's exactly why. Uh-huh, that's, that was it. That's why <laughs> like, artistic choice. Yeah, no, but it was just <laughs> to be cheaper. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. But it's cool to like watch it with that, you know, headcanon. <laughs> like, oh, it's the security footage. But anyway, the movie starts out with our main character, Dante Hicks, who's awoken on his day off from the dreaded phone call from your job. Everyone's out and they need coverage. The worst <laughs> feeling. Uh, Dante's boss guilts him into coming to work to open the store, the quick stop convenience in New Jersey, until the afternoon when the owner's going to come in and relieve Dante. So he's like, I'll go in. If you're going to be there, promise me you'll be there at noon. So been there. Yes, we all. <laughs> so once Dante arrives at the store, he finds that the locks have been um, jammed with gum, so he can't <laughs> unlock the shutters to the front window of the store. So in order to remedy that, he makes a sign at a shoe polish that says, "I assure you, we're open," which is just an iconic sign. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's like as big anywhere else, but in New Jersey, you see that like everywhere. Yeah, a lot uh, of people throw that up, especially with like closings and pandemics and like all the stuff now like mm-hmm. so many places that are open are like i'll throw this sign up just like that i assure you we're open <laughs> it's like a funny little nod and it's a gag through the whole movie because everybody comes in they're like hey you open <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes we're all here obviously we're open um so there's a little fun montage while he's doing that in the morning with dante like getting newspapers and fill like brewing the coffee and stuff which is I don't know if they still do this in like convenience stores now, but I remember when I was a little kid, like you would go in and it wouldn't be like Wawa or like 7-Eleven or wherever you are in the country where there's like the whole coffee station. There'd just be like one pot of coffee and you just had the styrofoam cup and you would just get your one cup. I think like sometimes smaller bagel cafes have that. Oh yeah, kind of. Like if you go into like get a bagel, there's just like casual Like anywhere you get your oil changed, but it's all like K-cups now. (laughs) That's true. I mean, I've seen some coffee pots still a little more sanitary but uh Fair. so i'm moving along dante's first customer is a dude who's uh badgering the people who are buying cigarettes to like stop buying cigarettes and start buying gum 
And so this guy incites an angry mob of like people who are pissed off at Dante for selling them cigarettes because it causes cancer, even though they went to the store to get it. So as it turns out, this gentleman is a gum rep salesman who goes to places and like causes shit in order to sell more gum. (laughs) And uh, so this is where we're introduced with Dante's current girlfriend, Veronica, who like threatens the dude with a fire extinguisher to leave and breaks up the angry mob. So during all this commotion, local drug dealers, Jay and Silent Bob, (laughs) show up to their shift of sorts to sit outside of the uh, store and sell their wares. So it's kind of like a parallel clerks with like, these are the other two best friends who are like at their job, but <laughs> their right. job is like to sell drugs, but uh, <laughs> Jersey. So um, after the gum guy is chased out, Dante and Veronica have a conversation while hiding behind the counter. Um, and they're talking about like previous sexy time partners. Oh, so Veronica is really trying to get uh, Dante to go back to college during this thing, too, and, you know, make something of his life. But like now they're in this conversation and it's got to happen. So Dante finds out how many people that Veronica slept with and he's not pleased, um, but then finds out (laughs) the other number of how many gentlemen that Veronica had lower sexy times with. (laughs) (laughs) I like the way you're describing this. And is even less pleased to find out that the number is 37, including Dante. <laughs> so, um, Dante gives <laughs> gets into a little bit of further argument where Veronica is like, fuck this, I'm out, I gotta go to class. So she leaves, Dante's pissed. <laughs> and it's like, Dante's the kind of guy where like everything hangs, like he just thinks of stuff too long and like lets it fester. And mm. so every little thing that happens to him in this movie is just like a a huge problem that just snowballs into the other problems. So like his main line is I'm not even supposed to be here today. So right off the bat, his first problem is that he's in this store and like he's already fucked by being in this store. And then, you know, there's gum in the locks and everybody's rude to him and his girlfriend, you know, it's always those kind of days where yeah, like, exactly. you're like not even supposed to be there and it's like yeah. everything just is the worst. So his one reprieve of the day is right after that, his, best friend randall who is um the clerk at the next door video store that's attached to the same building shows up Mm. for his shift but uh randall just like leaves the store unoccupied all the time to come and hang out with dante at the (laughs) (laughs) so randall's vibe is kind of like an asshole but you know the kind of one where it's like he's our asshole yeah so you know he's a little bit of a dick (laughs) um (laughs) So Dante reveals that he's recently been talking to his ex-girlfriend, Caitlin, over the phone a lot. And Randolph uh, needles this out of him because he was trying to call Dante and like the phone line's always busy, which is uh, such a 90s problem. Oh, yeah, that's a wow. <laughs> the landline's busy because someone else is on the phone. Oh, my God. So yeah, Dan- that doesn't happen anymore. I know, right? But uh, Dante is just going on and on about how like he's been having these long, meaningful conversations. And like, I think they're ready to get back together, even though he's dating Veronica. and. You know, he's just thinking a lot about it. And Randall's like, oh, well, you're going to have to talk to her and her fiance. And he like slams down a newspaper, which also I think this is like dated. I don't know if people still do this, but it was um, an announcement of the engagement of Caitlin, Dante's ex-girlfriend and her fiance sang. Who's oh, my God. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know if they really do that anymore. I mean, maybe here and there. Yeah. Parents it's like definitely a big do that, deal. Yeah. His parents still do that. I don't know. So Dante is obviously confused and annoyed by the whole situation and calls the newspaper to see if there was an error in the printing of the article. (laughs) (laughs) Why doesn't he just call? He's specifically looking for a vindictive ex-boyfriend who may have been pulling a prank. Oh, my God. Um, Anyway, Dante and Randall pass the time throughout the day, you know, talking philosophy and movies and relationships and difficult customers and also Star Wars. Oh, (laughs) So there's a conversation uh, between Dante and Randall about Star Wars, specifically which one was better, Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. And by the time I was like in my Star Wars fandom, like this argument was already set in stone that Empire Strikes Back was the better Star Wars movie. But I think this is the first time I ever heard anybody explain to me why. And it's only like a two minute conversation and I don't know if Star Wars nerds like just all watched this movie at once and formulated the same uh, like opinion or if this opinion was already around. But I remember, you know, when you were little, you're, you're like, oh, Empire Strikes Back is 
like depressing return of the Jedi has the green lightsaber and like they win and Darth Vader loses. And, (laughs) but like, I don't know. They just break it down in such a way where I'm like, I don't know. Like, was this a thing before clerks? Like, because nobody or was in it movies, just like because like comedians didn't talk about Star Wars and you know other movies mm-hmm. didn't talk about Star Wars in their movie. It was the first how pop old was culture. Star Wars at that point? Return of the Jedi would have been eleven years old, yeah. 10, 11 years old at this point. So it already so been weird. done. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah. a great question for the older Star Wars fans out there. Great sidebar. Yeah, let me know if you're an older Star Wars fan. But uh, so yeah, throughout the day, Dante and Randall talk about other stuff like the horrible customers like i said and um there's a good montage of like all the dumb things they hear like oh good montage we <laughs> love a good montage yeah like customers being like oh i gotta drink this coffee hot <laughs> like <you know. laughs> oh i hate and people. the ilk they're not exaggerating no they're not <laughs> you would think it's easy but <laughs> um and then uh, there's also a, a couple fun cameos like kevin smith's mom is like a lady looking at milk cartons and stuff Aww. and Walt Flanagan, uh, the dude from Comic Book Men, is uh, like a guy trying to find the perfect batch of eggs. <laughs> like, Gotta love it. Yeah. I don't buy eggs from like Quick Check, though. Yeah. I said I don't buy eggs. No, no. I said, yeah, you're, you're yeah. bougie for Quick Check eggs. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, I, they're expensive. You know? Oh, really? Like, yeah, those stores are, get expensive with the eggs. Huh. Just gotta buy them from the grocery store. Gotcha. Plus, I mean, I'm I'm a pasture raised kind of person now, so. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um. So eventually, during the day, Randall, who's like terrible at both jobs, accidentally sells a little girl cigarettes and a lighter. And he's like, "How too, do you mess that up?" He's too busy reading to like look who he's selling anything to. So he just like grabs it and gives it to her. That'll play off later. Um. Veronica, Dante's girlfriend, eventually comes back and brings Dante lasagna for lunch, which is awesome. <laughs> like, how could you be? how he is to a girl who gives him lasagna for lunch and uh all right garfield they smooth everything over from their conversation before except dante is still withholding the fact that he's secretly talking to his ex-girlfriend caitlin yikes and is secretly pissed off she's engaged yikes after several hours dante uh discovers that his boss left on a trip to vermont and he's never coming to relieve him and so he's stuck at the store for the rest of the day that sucks. He's also pissed. Uh, determined not to miss a hockey game that he was supposed to play, Dante invites the guys to the store and plays the game on the roof. And it's like a great scene to them rolling around on the roof of this store. <laughs> <laughs> um, after the hockey game on the roof, uh, this older dude like strolls into the store and needs to use the bathroom. And so he's a little pushy and like he's asking Dante for like a playboy to like read while he's on the toilet. Uh. So just to get him out of his hair and like get him to leave, Dante's like, here you go. Just go use the toilet. Um, Dante and Randall then leave the store to go to a funeral for an old high school friend whose death is also mentioned at the beginning of Kevin Smith's next movie, Mallrats. So it's like a fun tie in to like, I love that because all of his movies have like a little thread that goes through everything. So funny. A common thing between your movie and my book is Sarah Dessen. All of her novels take place in the same universe. Really? Yeah. See, that was the first time. I mean, Marvel does it now. Everything's connected. But this was the first time I was like, oh, shit. Like they're referencing a character to another movie. Yeah. Like This must happen in the same town. Like, I don't know. No, it's cool. I love when that happens. Um, Yeah. So they go to this funeral and uh, off screen, they accidentally knock the casket over. (laughs) And there's. It's uh, the way it's shot is like them walking into the funeral and then like five seconds later, they're running out of the funeral. But um, so it was never shot the scene. But for the clerk's 10th anniversary DVD, they animated what happened at this funeral. Oh, my God. So you could go on YouTube and watch like the missing scene. And it, that's it's hilarious. Funny, yeah. I love that you did that. that yeah. I love that they did that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <Help. laughs> so Dante's day gets even worse when the local bully Rick Darris from his high school comes in and makes fun of him for how poorly he lifts a milk jug. <laughs> he's like, Ugh. that's like not something to make fun of somebody for. I feel yeah, like but he's like a buff guy. It's like his deal is that he's like a jock or whatever. Yeah. So he's like, oh, so you struggling to lift that milk? <laughs> oh my God. So while all that's happening, um, this dude comes in and gives Dante a ticket for when Randall sold the cigarettes to the little girl. So now like on top of it, uh... all these people think Dante is this weirdo who sells cigarettes to little girls. And um, Randall and Dante getting like a tiff about Randall wanting to go to a video store, even though he works at a video store. So he wants to go to a better one to hang out. 
<laughs> Betrayal. <laughs> yeah, so he, uh, he takes Dante's car and goes to do that. So Dante's all by himself. When the ex-girlfriend, Caitlin, finally shows up to explain the engagement to Dante at the store. Oh, shit. So. Wait, so did he like reach out to her and was like, are you engaged? Yes, kind of. So she drove all the way back from Ohio where she was going to school to like explain to Dante before he found out from the paper. But he already uh, did because she's not interested in marrying this dude. She is kind of interested in maybe coming back and like being with Dante. Oh, so there is kind of feelings, even though she's the worst, you know, <laughs> and like she's engaged to somebody else. Yeah, well, she's so. going to break it up. But and then Dante's will go, I'll just break up with Veronica. So then we could rekindle our relationship. <laughs> Ugh, never good. Yeah. So they make plans to go on a date after Dante gets off of work, even though he had already had plans with Veronica from before. But mm, oh, two yeah. timing. <laughs> so uh randall gets back and dante goes home to uh change in like a nice outfit like they both do caitlin and dante but mm-hmm. caitlin ends up coming back first and talking with randall and randall's giving her like the you know don't fuck my friend over yeah like, good guy speech and she's like all right i'm gonna go freshen up in the bathroom that's when dante comes back that's <laughs> where it takes a turn if you've never seen this movie so Caitlin comes out of the bathroom to go and um, meet back at the register with Randall and Dante. And <laughs> she clearly just got laid in the bathroom and uh, she thinks it was Dante, but it couldn't have been because he was gone the whole time getting changed and comes back. So they come to find out that the man who Dante gave the playboy to who went to go to the bathroom before in the movie. Right. Had a heart attack while he was, you know. Shaking hands with Ben Franklin in the bathroom. Yikes. And uh, because the lights don't work, because the boss didn't want to pay the electrician to fix the lights, Caitlin kind of did the nasty with who was there, who she thought was Dante. Oh. So. Why don't I remember this? Because <laughs> you were asleep. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so um, they call the ambulance to come and get this dead body. <laughs> Caitlin's obviously traumatized and is going to the hospital as well to maybe get further help <laughs> and so Yikes. yeah so dante's left at the store <laughs> just had a fucking day randall's back at his store and uh that's when jay and silent bob's shift outside eventually comes due or whatever and they go inside and invite dante to this party with them after hours but dante's like no i can't and uh so jay and silent bob have been closely watching this thing the whole time and that's when uh, like the first time in the movie, Silent Bob speaks and he gives him this wise wisdom about Veronica. That's great. And you got to just watch the movie. It's a great line. And while all of this is happening, Randall is talking to Veronica in the store next door and like the video store. And he's breaking up with her on Dante's behalf because oh my God, because of a conversation him and Dante had earlier in the movie where he's like. Dante avoids uh, confrontation and buckles. So like he doesn't think Dante would have the kind of balls to do it. Yeah. So (laughs) So he thinks he's doing a good thing right now. Dude, you can't break up with somebody else for someone. No, it's never good. It's the 90s. Who knows what they did back then? Yeah. So Veronica goes next door to the quick stop and tears Dante a new asshole, dumps him and (laughs) kicks him in the the jingles. Um, Balls. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's funny when you make up a you funny can't word. say balls no it's just funny when you make up another word okay i could say balls i could say balls all day if i want <laughs> what did i do okay so, <laughs> <laughs> so after that dante and randall obviously get into a fist fight themselves and they totally trash the quick stop um after they're exhausted from the fight the two have a crucial moment of clarity where dante admits to all of his problems and of his own self-sabotaging ways randall hears dante say all of his i'm not even supposed to be here today bullshit and it kind of triggers him to um you know really speak his heart and points out that dante could have left at any time and prevented the day's events but you know they're not advanced enough to think of these kind of things or else they wouldn't be working such lowly jobs which mm. you know that's gotta have some more pride in there you know? yeah <laughs> Um, after the two make amends dante plans to visit caitlin in the hospital and try to reconcile with veronica and Randall takes the shoe polish sign and throws it at Dante saying, you're closed. <laughs> and that's the end. 
Um, what a day. Yeah. So there's actually a, a filmed alternate ending where like a burglar comes in and like shoots Dante dead. <laughs> but Yikes. they didn't go with that because it was too dark. But it is on the DVD or Blu-ray or whatever you watch now. You could see that scene. That's kind of a downer. <laughs> huh. Not a happy ending. <laughs> no, but they filmed it. But the real ending, obviously, the two of them end up being friends for life. And there's Clerks 2 and then maybe Clerks 3 on the horizon. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's my story. Awesome. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with what happened to the We're back. I'm going to tell you about Sarah Dessen's 11th novel. I believe it's the 11th novel called What Happened to Goodbye. This was published May 10th, 2011. It just had its 10th birthday. Oh, wow. I know. So weird. I actually remember this book coming out. So I've covered another Sarah Dessen book previously. I think for Heather's favorites, I covered, um, which one was that? This Lullaby? Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. I love that book. So that's one of my favorite. Um, this is still a really good one. So, and it takes place in a restaurant. So it's the criteria. <laughs> nice. The story begins with the narrator, McLean. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that was one that was... I was struggling with guys. I don't know. <laughs> so she is describing her dad's new restaurant that he's been sent to fix up called Luna Blue. Her father is named Gus. He's been working for EAT Incorporated, E Incorporated, <laughs> a job where he constantly has to travel to save failing restaurants. Think like a La Bar Rescue. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> Basically, that's what he does. He goes in and he's like, Shuts yeah, you guys are, you know, there's no hope. Shut it down. <laughs> So it's clearly not a stable job. They've moved four times in the last two years, which would suck. McLean uh, prefers to live with her mother over her father since their parents got divorced a few years ago and her mother left her father for the new university basketball coach in town, Peter <laughs> Hamilton. Oh. It's not nice. Well, especially because Gus, her father, was like the biggest fan uh. of this, like, basketball team like even named <laughs> McLean is named after the old head coach of this basketball team oh wow and like lived breathed died for this team and that was like her relationship with her father was like over this team and then yeah. like the old coach retired and this new coach came in and they like ended up getting to meet him and the mom was like okay and then was like bye I'm gonna go start a new family with this hot young basketball coach see ya nice. so he was a big fan of basketball jingles yeah. <laughs> so McLean, <laughs> what's happening? Um, McLean obviously holds a, holds a grudge against her mother as she has this whole new family now with Peter. Like we're talking baby twins, all that jazz. And, you know, her whole life is completely changed now because her dad also used to own a restaurant. And, he, you know, when you own a restaurant, like the kids, especially, she was always there. That was like her life. Like she was always doing homework there. Like she yeah. has so many memories with this restaurant, but he closed it after the divorce. And then he took this traveling EAT incorporated job. Yeah. So lots of big life changes. So with each move, McLean takes on a new personality. So I guess this is kind of her way of coping with all these changes. Yeah. She just wants to be somebody else. So she picks a new name. Now her middle name is Elizabeth. So she'll like kind of pick and choose names from that. Like she was like Liz and then she was Beth. Like, so she picks a name and then befriends people who kind of fit her stereotype that she picks. <laughs> so she was like, she describes a perky rah-rah girl. So like cheerleader, I guess is what yeah. she's trying to say. And then like a clad, black clad drama queen and then like a student govern government joiner. Like, so she kind of just tries on all these personalities at each huh. new school, which like, why not, man? Yeah, you're going to well, just yeah. be like, you know, you're going to be moving in another few months. Yeah. Like, and that's how you're going to try to cope with all these like changes in your life. Then, OK, it's probably not healthy coping. <laughs> probably not. Uh, and then their version of Facebook is called you dot com. It's spelled like. U, like just capital yeah. U M E dot com. <laughs> These acronyms are killing me. <laughs> EAT. <laughs> so she almost goes to start her new UME page, her like new account. Yeah. Uh, like she does with every town she moves to, but then she, something like holds her back and she's like, okay, maybe not yet. I don't want to like settle on a new personality yet. <laughs> so, so much to choose from. <laughs> So with her father staying late at the restaurant, she's unpacking and 
there's these college kids that live next door and she somehow was like, I guess my new personality is partier. Ends up at this college party next door. <laughs> See where the wind takes me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she's like, oh, YOLO. Mm. The party ends up getting broken up by the police and she has to run away. And she gets saved by her new neighbor, Dave. And Dave's just like chilling in a storm cellar, which like, same, Casual. I guess. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. That, that would be me. Still chilling in a storm cellar? <laughs> Probably. It's kind of weird. Well, he like makes out his little hangout hideout. Like, it's like part of his, like backs up to his yard. Yeah. And it's like unoccupied. So he's like, YOLO, I'm just going to have a little hideout. I'm thinking like the storm cellar in like horror movies where it's the two metal doors that you open up. Yeah, I and- think it is like that. It's fucking weird. <laughs> I wouldn't hang out. <laughs> Come into my storm cellar. <laughs> like, where's I beer? <laughs> like, I like storms and I like. <laughs> it's so easy to like just coerce into a storm cellar. Yeah, it's probably bad. <laughs> so upon introducing herself to Dave, she ends up using her real name and decides to be herself this time. McLean heads back to Luna Blue to see her father's progress so far. And Luna Blue is described as a contemporary Italian and old-fashioned good. So, like, all right, right there, you got, like, kind of two oxymorons, you know? It's like a <laughs> contemporary slash old-fashioned, and it's like, wait, so which are you? Are you contemporary or you old-fashioned? <laughs> bit of both. Well, a bit of both. So it's also got, you know, it's got all the Italian goods on the menu, but there was popular dishes from the previous Mexican restaurant from the previous owners that were, like, in the space, and they were like, well, let's keep the guacamole. Yeah. So it's like you could get calamari. And guacamole in the same place. Huh. Eh. Might be too many options. <laughs> yeah, it might, it might be a little too much. Like, just pick one. <laughs> so, Opal is the manager there, and she's been there since she was a teen. So, this is like, you know. Been there. This is her baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Opal is also the type of person that takes each criticism personally, and she's very stubborn and likes things done her way. Mm. So, she... Also accidentally accepted the responsibility. It's like the town's like centennial celebration. She has to make a complex model of it, like completely like detailed, yeah. like to scale model of the full town. <laughs> and she has that model. A lot of creepers in this town. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> no wonder she like is changing up her name. Actually, after she didn't sharp objects, time. like any model of a town mm. or house, you're just like. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, you should, true. Yeah, you the teeth that. in that dollhouse were not a good time. <laughs> no. Ugh. Bad chills. So this complex model is being built on the second floor of the restaurant right now. Mm. Um, McLean is also with her buddy Dave now, the storm cellar dude. And <laughs> storm cellar Dave. Storm cellar Dave. <laughs> they hear uh, Opal struggle with this, like complex model of the town and Dave volunteers because he needs to do community service hours after he got caught caught with beer at a party. Dave's like, you got my storm cellar wrong. <laughs> you need to come down and look. <laughs> Gotta check out the storm Creepy cellar. Dave. <laughs> no, Dave's a good guy. We like Dave. But you know, they have like Pride and Prejudice and zombies. Like if they, like it's Pride and Prejudice, yes. but they like write in zombie stuff that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's, that would be the book to like. <laughs> it would. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> So McLean is uh, going to school and she gets like accosted by some peppy girl named Deb and she claims to be the school's hospitality committee. So that's a good time. (laughs) And then there's these other girls, Riley and Heather, and they call McLean over and they eat lunch together. But McLean really feels bad for Deb, who's sitting all by herself. Poor little Deb. Wasn't Deb just like a bitch to her? No, she comes over and she's like, hi, I'm the school's hospitality committee. Let me show you around. And then she like. Basically, McLean, like, cool guys her and is like, sorry. I I thought it was the other way. It was like, Deb, like, I'm the hospitality committee. No, she's like, let me show you around. So picture um, in, like, 10 Things I Hate About You. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I thought it was more of, like, a mean girl situation. No, no. Um, (laughs) So anyway, McLean feels bad for Deb, who's sitting all by herself. And then a little bit later that day, McLean gets a phone call from Opal telling her that her dad's been in an accident and that he needs his insurance card. So she asks Deb for a ride to the hospital, and then the two end up becoming good friends. Hmm. McLean starts to feel more comfortable in Lakeview. Uh, She's still struggling with her relationship with her mother. She doesn't want to see her, doesn't want to talk to her, all out of this sense of loyalty to her father. But she's really making her friends and getting attached to Luna Blue and the staff there. So she's got Dave and Deb and some other friends, and they're all working on that town model to get it done in time for like the big centennial celebration. 
In the meantime, her dad tries to figure out how to keep the restaurant running while also dodging date invites from a councilwoman. Councilman, no. <laughs> or no, councilwoman, no. Councilman Jan. Okay, yeah. anyway, I'm getting off track here. <laughs> I'm just always thinking about Parks and Rec. Daydreaming about Parks and Rec. <laughs> <laughs> Mid-sentence. <laughs> it's like the girl with the cats. It's like, I can't stop thinking about cats. Yeah. Thinking about cats again. That's also true. I always yeah. think about cats. <laughs> so anyway, this councilwoman uh, is also Opal's all-time nemesis. Yeah. McLean also starts to develop romantic feelings for Dave, and they're obviously reciprocated. Reciprocated. Mm. Yeah. Uh, all meanwhile, McLean's mom starts to go to lawyers to try to revisit the custody agreement. And McLean agrees to visit more and come to her mom's new beach house for spring break. So before she goes on spring break, though, McLean finds out that her father just got another job offer in Hawaii and that Luna Blue, the restaurant, will yeah. be shutting down for good. Oh, yeah. So while she's reeling from this information, she also discovers to her horror. That her friends have found her previous Yumi.com accounts. <laughs> so, like, you right, know, <laughs> they find, like, the peppy girl and the drama girl oh, and the no. student government girl. And they're like, we, but, like, all these pictures are you, but they all have different names. Like, like no, it's not. <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> like, how embarrassing. <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> Wasn't me. McLean ends up being very grateful to escape Lakeview and go to her mom's new beach house in Colby. Which is so funny because Colby is another, is a town in Sarah Dustin's book. So like we were saying earlier, all of her towns overlap. So Lakeview is a big town in her other novels and Colby. And so a lot of characters um, from previous novels integrate in this book. You're like reading and you're like, oh my God, I remember you. And it's, (laughs) so it's always really nice because you kind of get to like see characters and like how they've been since the last time you read about them. It's like, I like reading her books because it feels like. You get an update past the epilogue from other novels. You're like, oh, yeah. look at you in college. Good for you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, so while she's in Colby, the beach town, McLean overhears her mom telling a friend that she thinks that it was a mistake. And McLean assumes that she means inviting her to come to the beach. And she feels like super out of place and decides to just peace out and go to the po- Poseidon which is an old worn out motel that smells like mildew. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. That, it sounds like one of those cheap. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. It's like a cheap, <laughs> sketchy motel that you're like, am I going to die here? Like, oh, there's a crackhead. That's where I spent my prom. It was not a good time. <laughs> Crack hotel. Uh, it was. Oof. <laughs> okay. Yikes. Uh, it definitely was a bandaid in the bed at one point. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. We like pulled back the covers. We were like, Ugh. That's hepatitis. Yeah. Yeah. That's all good. Anyway, it's been, it's been year, enough years that I'm not traumatized anymore. McLean and her mom used to spend many nights at the Poseidon, though. It was like one of their like girl trips. And they used to take like, like spontaneous beach trips because her dad would be busy with the restaurant. So mm. it was like, you know, a special p- place for her and her mom. Confused and in need of a companion, McLean calls her 2 a.m., quote unquote. Which I love the idea of this. The 2 a.m. is the person that you know you can rely on no matter what. That you can call any time of day and that person's going to be there for you. Mm. So, I don't know. I love that concept. Like, there's definitely always that people, those people that you're like, well, I know that they'd be there for me if I called them any time of day. Yeah. Everybody's got a bunch of those. Yeah. (laughs) So, she calls Dave her 2 a.m. So, in the meantime, obviously, her parents are freaking out about her. McLean's mom is frantically calling her dad. And McLean's dad is piecing out of Lakeview to go drive to Colby and look for her. And he sees Dave and Dave is able to tell him where McLean is. So McLean's parents both go to Poseidon together. There McLean tells them about the different personas she's taken on. And for the first time, they realize how hard the divorce actually is for her. And they apologize. She also finds out that she had misheard her mother talking. It was not that McLean coming to the beach house was a mistake. It was that hosting a party at the house previously was a mistake. Oh. So she had hosted a party last year and she's like, no, I don't want to do that again. That was a mistake. <laughs> and that's what. That's a Ma- big misunderstanding. Yeah. <laughs> I, it must have just been like the way she heard it. Yeah. So her dad takes her back to Lakeview and she goes back to working on the town model with Deb. And then she finds out that her friends don't think 
it's weird at all. Like the personas, they were like, listen. Like, yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't think it's weird. We just, you know. I think she explains it and yeah. they are like, you know, we get it. Like you're going through the divorce thing. Like it's yeah. hard. Uh, Dave's not working on the town model, though, because he's been grounded because Aww. he was trying to take the car out to go see McLean at two in the morning. <laughs> and his parents are super strict and they were like, nah. And that's why he also told McLean's dad where she was because gotcha. he couldn't go. So he's like, well, somebody needs to go help her. Yeah. McLean realizes that he did try to come see her at the Poseidon because initially she was like, wait, he like didn't show up and he told me he was going to come. He was caught by his parents, so he sent her dad instead. Gotcha. Eventually, they finish the model of the town, and when it's done, McLean goes to look at it, and she sees that Dave's been secretly working on it and has put little figurines of everywhere they've shared a memory in town. He also wrote the word stay on the roof of the abandoned house behind his, which has the storm cellar. (laughs) (laughs) Stay in my storm cellar forever. Stay. Oh, God, you're right. Oh, no. Uh, She finds him and they kiss for the first time. Mm. McLean also discovers that her father and Opal have secretly been together this whole time and that they're dating. They decide that after Luna Blue closes, McLean's dad is going to go to Hawaii for the job and Opal will be buying out the building and opening her own restaurant. So she gets to go from manager to owner. So that's exciting for that's her. Cool. Yeah. Nice glow up. Exactly. <laughs> Instead of cutting and running like he usually does, because usually he'll just like ghost all his girlfriends from previous towns. <laughs> Yikes. It's just as bad too. They're just working. Yeah, they're working through <laughs> some shit. Hell? He plans to come back and help her run the new restaurant after this job in Hawaii. So after that's like his last like bar rescue. <laughs> <laughs> They also decide that McLean will go back to live with her mom for the remainder of the school year, which she's not happy about. She resolves to stay in touch with her friends this time and plans to try a long-distance relationship with Dave. As they are getting in the car and driving away, though, the last minute, her mom turns around and tells her she can't uproot her again. So Opal decides to offer McLean her spare room, and she moves in and spends the remainder of her school year in Lakeview. She gets to graduate with her friends and she ends up working at the restaurant that Opal opens. As the book ends, we see that McLean has plans to go to college and live happily ever after. With Dave. With Dave, probably. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if the two of them, I'm sure they have, have showed up in any of her books in the last 10 years. I'm going to have to go back and look. Yeah, maybe they like grew up or something. Yeah. I don't know. I got to look into that. Very cool. Yeah, so it's a good good book. Should we... uh, take a little break come back with talking about some restaurant stuff absolutely we're back let's get into some analysis yeah absolutely so i think this is going to be a lot of fun kind of like revisiting this stuff because like i said before we met at a restaurant Mm -hmm. and i used to carry around like a it was like a quirky restaurant. So I used to carry around a, a, like a mini clipboard and that's how I used to take orders. It wasn't like, you know, the notepad or whatever. And like I said early, Kevin Smith used to come in there all the time. It was like a late night place. And I guess after he was filming the AMC show, Comic Book Men, he'd be looking for like late night food. So I served him. I served Jay. I served his, their wives, their kids, like their moms and stuff. So Nick Jonas, <laughs> Ashley Tisdale, one of the Jonas. I think it was. The, I'm not. A it big was Jonas Nick fan. because yeah. it was Ashley a diabetic Tisdale, one. Yeah, but uh, Kevin Smith signed the clipboard mm-hmm. that I use for all my orders, and then now it's just hanging. Yeah, so it's like a house. makeshift it's decoration. Like a shrine. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll po- maybe I'll post it. I don't know. You it, should. That would be cute to share. It kind of like rubbed off, so I don't know. I gotta like. See if I can get him to sign it again. <laughs> Somehow, Kevin like, Smith, if you're listening, be like, I met my wife with this clipboard, yeah. <laughs> taking her orders and stuff. So you can. I just know. Sign so it. funny cool. enough, um, I was one of Jeff's first tables he was serving. Yes. Yeah, so. right, we say we were the first because it was the second because the first uh, table the first, they were bitches. <laughs> they were very hard to please. So speaking older of women, <laughs> hard to please customers. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember Jeff like plopping down and he was just like, I'll, so I'll make you my like real table, my real first table. And I was yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, look at this cool guy. What's that? Cool college guy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like that happens a lot in restaurants where it's like 
you end up, I mean, specifically coworkers, coworkers yeah. to fi- like become like this family. Oh yeah, you're stuck in the foxhole with these people. Mm. Like you have to deal with all the same problems they do, like the same customers. Like sometimes you'll ask them to do favors. Like I can't stand these people. Can you go run this? Yeah. Or like this person comes in all the time and makes me feel uncomfortable. Can you take them? Like right. that's unfortunately one of the biggest issues when I worked, you know, where I worked is that like it was a later restaurant so like there would be people coming from the bars and it was yeah. like very laid back so like there like was your a lot restaurant of wasn't yeah. open during the day it was only open at yeah. night yeah yeah i was a vampire for seven and a half years seriously <laughs> but yeah i mean i remember you telling me that like a lot of your female servers would yeah. be like hey i really can't take this table because like this guy makes me feel uncomfortable can you take it mm-hmm. and that's definitely an issue where yeah. i feel like female servers run into this i remember a coworker in college came home like hysterically crying one night because she was telling me about these guys that were like physical with her at uh, on her shift and everything it's like that's never people suck yeah and like especially when they're drunk too it's like yeah like they dehumanize servers like i've even Mm -hmm. had that a bunch of times too where like people don't care like i've spilt like an entire pot of coffee like on my arm and like body and the dude was like okay can you go get another one and i'm like sir I need to get this bandage or yeah. not bandage, but you know, there's something that happens when you're like <laughs> serving people where they think that you're like lesser and not human or something yeah. like that. They're entitled to specific things. And like, sure. Yeah. You're, you're a paying customer and all, yeah. but like, you know, people have rough days and people make mistakes and things happen. Like just be understanding. Mm. It's not that hard. And that brings your work family closer. Cause yeah. you all have like this weird, unique experience under one roof of like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that, that's definitely what happens and what happened to goodbye. Like Opal started out like the manager, you know, yeah. clashing with everybody. Cause she didn't want change and all this stuff. But then once they kind of worked together and she realized like, Oh, Hey, like, Gus just wants what's best for me and they end up mm. having like a relationship they turn into like almost literal family at the end because <laughs> uh McLean ends up coming to live with her yeah and in my story I mean Dante and Randall are like on paper opposites because Dante is outwardly very not polite but he's less likely to like do crazy impulsive stuff than Randall does but like throughout the movie they both you know Randall has a really nice sweet moment at the end where he's telling Caitlin like don't break Dante's heart and then Dante's like ready to throw away his relationship <laughs> like <laughs> also when he like closes the store to play hockey and it's just you know you're everybody who works in these kind of situations are like the same but different it's i don't know i don't know how to explain it i know i think people that work in food service to get it yeah like i was so close with all my food service people like so my first job was at a, a a coffee chain yeah. in the United States. <laughs> I think I've named it before, but just to be safe, yeah. I will. I won't. They're so corporate. Oh my god, they'll like come for me. They'll be like, "You worked for us 15 years ago, and you shit talked us." Oh my god, good times. Uh, but even that, like, I felt like I had such a family with those people I worked with, and we were like all different ages and races yeah. and religions, and like. But we had our shit together come Saturday morning. We were like serving the coffee so good. Like we were a well-oiled machine. And I think, I don't know, it's like the vibe. Like you yeah. start to. But like people service, <laughs> this is going to sound dirty. People service each other at these <laughs> service jobs. No, because like I've worked in office settings where like if you need help, somebody's like, no, fuck you. But yeah. like if you're at like a restaurant and you're like, I need this to go to this table and like, you know, I need seven waters or whatever you know somebody be like can you do this for me and you're like yeah i have time and it's then you'll just so do it and then you're like halfway weird. through it and you're like you don't even think like why am i doing this you're just like okay here you go like maybe it's that's such just a me culture no you're right it's such a weird culture <laughs> where everybody's more willing to help each other out more so than i think like an office yeah. job like you were saying and it's like a weird vibe at least the place where i worked where like everybody was each other's parent and child at the same time yeah like you had somebody you went to for advice. You had somebody you went to for bad advice. <laughs> like, you, know, you know, you had like your troublemakers, everything. I think our cat just like dive bombed into something in the background. It may have been the garbage. Oh so God. anyway, <laughs> anyway, if we have to go clean up some garbage after this, that is what it is. Yeah. She's just adding to the ambiance of our restaurant episode. She's like, 
listen, I'm an annoying customer. I'm just yeah. going to knock your shit over. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Like there's um, the place I worked, you know, I'm not going to, I probably should name it because like whatever, proud of working there. But uh, there was like a weird vibe and like, I'm going to sound like such a tool right now, <laughs> but like it had that kind of like cool kid vibe. Like when I was working there in my younger twenties, you could like I couldn't go anywhere in town without somebody being like, you're the dude from whatever. Yeah, and I'm like, you still get recognized yeah. sometimes. It's weird. And it's not. Yeah. It's, been it's like years. I worked at, <laughs> and it, like a like, cool Wait a restaurant. Did you work at for so blank? Long. And you're like, yep. yeah, they're like, wait, I remember you. Like, yep. like you I'm, were like a local hero. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it wasn't. But like, <laughs> it was an asshole. But <laughs> <laughs> you were a local hero but to there was me. a but there was a good point in time where like i couldn't go out in town like bar hopping without yeah. like you know oh hey like everybody <laughs> would come up to me and like say hi and like i'm very personable and stuff but at some point you know you kind of get like oh shit don't come over here don't come over here <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you were definitely like everybody knew you yeah. it was weird well i mean i was into it <laughs> clearly obviously no I but mean, like that that's what happens at some of these places yeah. like you know my mom to a lesser extent my mom's like the same way like she's worked at a job um yeah. a customer service job for like the last 30 years and she can't go anywhere in like her county without somebody knowing her not like, even the county she was like wasn't yeah. she like out of the country yeah. she got recognized <laughs> yeah, like that's so. wild it's crazy if you work somewhere long enough and you're like I don't know. People just associate you with that. You become like iconic. It's like you're the blank lady, you know, you're that guy from that place. (laughs) Yeah. It's so so funny. Honestly, when I, I started getting like fed up with that, that's when I was on my way out. I'm like, I got to do something else besides be. (laughs) So would you say that Dante is kind of that like face of the quick check? A a lifer, especially because in clerks Two, spoiler alert, there's a second one. And they're still like working together. And then, um, well, there, there's a really good ending at the end of Clerks too that ties into the quick stop. But it, it's kind of like the way to overcome that is to just like own your own place, like yeah. Opal and whatever. So in your story too, they kind of yeah, end no, on that high note. Yeah, it's true. They like, you know, fit into where they're supposed to and like fine. You know, I mean, Opal was working there since she was a teenager. And yeah. I think at that point, that's like all she knew and that's all she wanted. Yeah. You know, so it, it was like the next best thing for her. Like, mm. she was like, okay, well, I've done the manager thing. Like, you know, I love this spot. I don't want to give it up. So let's turn it into my own business and I can make it the right way. Yeah. And also, one of the best parts about these kind of jobs are like the relationships, I guess, you make with regular customers. Yeah. Like friends. And because I, I can't tell you how many people I met at my job that like I still talk to you to this day me exactly but no (laughs) but I know there's so many people who like came into my life because I was stuck there all night and like people would just come in and hang and if it was a slow night people would just have like a regular table and well that was the beauty of the place you worked at it like you were saying it was like a cool place to go Mm. um it's in a college town so yeah a lot of people from the college area you know before you turned 21, there was really nothing to do. So that was yeah. kind of the place to be because you didn't have to be 21. Yeah. And it was open late. So you could go sit and hang out with your friends for hours. Or you can go drink on the beach and then stroll in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not talking from personal experience. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, I feel like the regulars definitely help. Like my old job, we always, well, my coffee job and my froyo job, like I still vividly remember the regulars and like what they would get. And like, you just yeah. have like this like yeah. repertoire, you know, like I could see someone's face. Like, I don't remember. I'm horrible with names, but like I could see somebody that I remember from 10 years ago and be like, Oh, it's you. <laughs> like, here you go. Like, this yeah. is exactly what you used to get. Serving such yeah. a talent. I know. Right. They're just, these people are burned. In my- <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how this happens. And like, could have been a doctor. The information. That I- <laughs> <laughs> remembered all the paninis in your head yeah <laughs> a brain full of paninis <laughs> no but there's also the annoying customers too and like <sighs> you remember the annoying customers too oh yeah but then and there's also annoying regular customers yeah 
yeah. you're always like, oh no, that guy again. Yeah, you know, you're like fuck. Did I just get sat at that table? <laughs> yeah, like you know already that you're mm. like you're gonna be a pain in the ass. Yep. <laughs> I know it's funny in uh the book. So they're big. Uh, you know how you get like not a free appetizer, but like they're like some bread to start off your meal. Yeah. Like at Italian restaurants, they mm. used to do these. In the beginning of the story, rosemary rolls. Yeah. And Gus came in and he's like, no, these are too expensive. Like, take away the rosemary rolls. It's bread. <laughs> and Opal was like, no, but the customers love. <laughs> you can't do that to the regulars. They're going to be so confused about the rosemary rolls. And then he's like, I'm thinking pickles. <laughs> pickles Maybe this or... is why they failed. I don't know. Gus but was just leading them to failure. I, I think don't the know. rolls are a trick, though, because anytime we go somewhere fancy to eat, you like fill up on the rolls and then the dinner comes and then you don't eat the dinner. And I I'm just like, love bread so much. You're like, I want to go out. We never. Go out. <laughs> I want to go out. We never go out. I drink like fill the up one on the glass rolls. of wine and then I like <laughs> eat all the rolls and then the real food comes and I stare at it and I go, I'm not hungry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get this to go? I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> but i do always eat the leftovers that's let's, true let's and e- even if you eat just the rolls my personal opinion you always tip at least 20 percent unless mm-hmm. unless your service is like miserable we're like talking were like awful to you like spilled something on you and weren't apologetic not, or got yeah. your shit wrong and didn't care right or yeah. like rude they just went mia your entire meal yeah. and you're just like what's happening but if you're just sitting there like this service was okay here's 10 percent like no. No. Like Unless, if it's just yeah. like it's all right. Like they didn't really do anything wrong. They weren't over the top. Like you still got a tip. Exactly. These people are getting paid like two fifteen an hour. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a literal joke. I used to get paychecks. So I actually did have a service job, which funny enough I didn't bring up at all. Like a yeah, restaurant. I, was gonna say, yeah, I know. I, I only worked there for like four months, like a yeah. summer in between college. So I guess that's why it's not standing out. Mm. It was one of my favorite jobs though. Um the boss was great to work for. I think yeah. that's comes down happens a lot hmm. so do you ever have any disasters at any of your jobs <laughs> for sure yeah i'm just trying to think which one stands out the most <laughs> um i don't know a lot of like you know messes like so also i worked in a college town yeah um as well so we would see a lot of people coming in after the bar mm. because you know nothing says late night snack food like frozen yogurt at midnight after you've been drinking but you know <laughs> gross whatever <laughs> yeah not my first pick but sure and i remember this one girl came and it was like literally i'm pretty sure we were already cleaned up we were like gonna close like the work you know what i mean when yeah. you're just about to be done and lock that door and then these people stroll in and you're like yeah no. <laughs> like you better be cool <laughs> uh, and we they weren't cool mm. They, I vividly remember this girl. I was like, I had already like mopped the floors, like oh, things no. were already clean up. And she goes, oops. And the entire cup of Froyo just like oh, nose dived no. and spilled <laughs> everywhere all over the floor. And she just looks at me and goes, oops. And I was like, uh, fuck yourself. <laughs> and it's the worst when you know you have to be nice and you're like mm. literally seething and you're like, it's okay. <laughs> Fuck you. Not my job. We would have been like, clean this the fuck up. Here's some paper towels. I'm not doing it. Because <laughs> no, we had we had drunk people all the time because yep. we were open past two, uh, 1 30, 2 o'clock in the morning. So mm-hmm. people would come in and want food to like plug it up and then At throw up everywhere. Fried mac and, and cheese be like, makes more sense than fro yo. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you got to clean this shit up, dude. Like, I'm not fucking... <laughs> I'm not hazmat certified. Like you need to. <laughs> yeah, there's like a yeah. certain certification too to clean yeah. up like bodily fluids, mm. right? You have to be like a what is it OSHA certified? I think. Yeah. I don't know. Food safety for surf. I don't know. Probably yeah. something like that. <laughs> we were a little wild west. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my yeah. goodness! Did you have any like big disasters? Just like the bombing. <sighs> I don't know how many things I could <laughs> legally say. <laughs> oh, no. I worked there for seven and a half, almost eight years, and I've seen some shit, man. <laughs> like, I've seen everything you could possibly see at a restaurant, like, customer-wise. Like, I will say, like, nothing we ever touched was like, like, you know, in movies, you see, like, oh, they mess with your food. Like, no, none of that ever. Like, yeah, they don't, like, in waiting. Yeah, they you don't guys mess definitely with your food. Don't, you get like, shut down for life, like. You don't fuck around People with that because that's do your that. money, you know? Yeah. 
they want you to have a good experience. Like, I've they want a good has, tip. I've never seen that happen. No, ever, yeah, no. So, and um, <laughs> I don't know if I should tell this story. Oh God. <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> Some circumstances have been changed <laughs> to protect identities. So we had a cook who um. It didn't really speak too many, too much English, and he uh, rode a bike to work. And so he, before he got to work, his roommate had had chocolate, I guess, in the fridge. And so he ate one of the chocolate things, not knowing what it was. And he rode his bike all the way to work, which was like a half an hour bike ride. Got there. Was super fucking weird all night. <laughs> like, cooked amazing, though. Like, he was just like off. You know, mentally, he was just like, just strange. But he was like, as fast as you could ever possibly imagine. And you're like, how did you get this done so fast? He's like, I don't know. So (laughs) at the end of the night, we come to find out that he had talked to his roommate over the phone. And what he ate was not chocolate. (laughs) It was a heavy duty hallucinogenic. (laughs) And he cooked the whole night tripping bojingles. This is one of my favorites. I forgot about this. (laughs) We were like, shit, do it every night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was like actually on his game more so than yeah. ever <laughs> like how did you do that like with what you had i don't know that's insane i love that story <laughs> yeah. it all worked out yeah but other than that it's just fist fights i've seen hundreds of fist fights um uh, just tons of stuff just crazy shit and obviously uh randall and dante had some yeah absolutely. shenanigans <laughs> so quick funny sidebar before we go to analysis so um we live fairly close to where clerks was filmed we see the quick stop i know we should probably go take a picture in front of it for this oh i have i have tons oh yeah maybe we'll go this, and take we'll a go take a little photo maybe this shoot. week we'll go and check it out yeah so the first time me, my brother and a bunch of friends wanted to go see the quick stop when we were younger because we're like, we got nothing to do. Let's it's go, iconic. whatever, take a Let's road go. trip. Yeah. So we took a road trip at night and um, we got pulled over by the police like immediately because I think like a headlight was out or something stupid. My brother was driving and uh, the cop was like, what are you guys doing tonight? And we're like, we're going to the quick stop from clerks. He's like, why? And they're like, or we were sitting there like, oh, we just wanted to see it. You know, we're bored. He's like, oh, my friend was in that movie. And they're like, who is your friend? And the police officer is like, oh, she's the girl who fucked the dead guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Didn't give us a ticket. Let us go on our way. He's like, fix the light. (laughs) Just let us go. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's a great story. Mm -hmm. So Uh, with New Jersey, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody has a clerk story in New Jersey. But um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with ratings and reviews. Let's do it. ratings and recommendations yeah so what do you got all right i'm going very nice nice um i love all of sarah Dessen's novels this isn't my favorite but it is still a great read mm. my mvp is obviously mclean uh masterpiece scene is the motel scene at the sketchy poseidon where she calls her 2 a.m dave and then her parents <laughs> show up together instead Definitely cried a lot of tears Um, (laughs) to no one's surprise. Yeah. Uh, Recommendations. Obviously, other Sarah Dustin novels would fit the need. What about you? Cool. So I'm going to go with very nice on this one. Um, It's definitely like a must see if you're a New Jersey guy (laughs) or gal. (laughs) Um, And it's honestly like the more I listen to other like filmmakers talk about stuff and reviewing for this show. Like just because you, you go back and you research like yeah. screenwriters, screenplay. So many people were influenced by this movie to make their movie. Really? Like so many people. Because you got to think it's night. It's the early 90s. Nobody knows who Kevin Smith is. There's no big name actors. He's got a shoestring budget and he makes this cult classic movie yeah. with nothing. You know, I mean, that's he's a, so a, inspiring, a, you know, like a film school dropout, just like does his thing and ends up going to, you know, Sundance and all this other stuff and getting picked up and making the, I mean, and look at him now. He's like a household name. You exactly. Know? Yeah. He just went for it. I know. So I think it, I mean, there's a lot of language in it. If that's not your thing, then like whatever. But <laughs> I think everybody's grown up and yeah, can deal with it. So I would go very nice. I think super nice. If you're going Kevin Smith would be like chasing Amy. 
Yeah. So that's the only reason why it's not super nice, but it's still like a huge, you know, part of my life, <laughs> just this movie <laughs> and like whatever. But uh, yeah, recommendations, I would say any other Kevin Smith movie can't go wrong. Any John Hughes movie, like Pretty in Pink or whatever. Yeah. Those are kind of the inspiration for Clerks in a way. And let's see, MVP, I'm going to go with Silent Bob because I love Kevin Silent Smith Bob. and he has the best like watershed moment in the movie you know the last line and masterpiece scene i think i'm going to go with the empire strikes back return of the jedi conversation that dante and randall <laughs> you know i'm not surprised <laughs> yeah, I, so. I felt like you were really into that moment yeah i mean it's like a really quick conversation but it's like changed your life it did it's like nerds on a screen talking about star wars and i'm like that's me <laughs> <laughs> i relate to this exactly so <laughs> did i miss anything no, I think you got it all. Nice. So then that's our show for this week. Woo. <laughs> uh, we want to thank you guys for sticking with us and coming back every week and taking a listen. Hopefully you guys enjoy our picks and stuff. Um, hopefully we inspired you to maybe read a couple of our books or watch some of the movies you've been covering. But uh, if not, and you just want to hear us talk about them, you could find us on Simplecast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Music, and Stitcher. Stitcher. <laughs> I did a out of order this week, so like I know you really threw me order. off. I was like, where's he going? Where's he going? <laughs> and if you want to look for us on social media, you can hit us up at Parallel Fiction on Instagram and Twitter, Parallel Fiction Podcast on Facebook, or you could send us an old fashioned <laughs> Parallel Fiction Pod at gmail.com. I'm getting a lot of spam in that old fashioned. I don't know. I want a real email. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a real email. There's a lot of like, my company, whatever, is my podcast. We I just love saw your that podcast. today too. And I'm, and I'm like, like, it's like, you, you have a great personality. And I'm like, we have a great personality. <laughs> like, Thank you. You didn't even listen. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> so, you don't even know our name. So yeah, send us an old fashioned or I guess a new fashion would be a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Mm. So if you do that too, we would appreciate that as well. But, so give us a five star review and then go tip your servers. Exactly. 20% and take care until next time. Have a great week.